listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast on issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. On this episode, I talked to Dr. Julianne Zweifel about managing stress and anxiety during COVID-19. Dr. Zweifel is a health psychologist in the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. I'd like to thank Dr. Julianne Zweifel for joining me today via distance for uh, the Women's Health Cast. We're going to talk about social distancing, anxiety, stress, and how to take good care of ourselves during this time. Thank you for being here. Of course. At least for me, I'm sure I'm, I know I'm confident and not alone. Um, the last several weeks of social distancing of the COVID-19 pandemic have been really challenging and really weird and a huge change in my normal day to day. Um, I've got a ton of feelings swirling around personally, and I'm curious to know from your perspective, what are some of the common feelings and emotional responses that people are having to our current situation? So I don't think it's going to surprise you to hear me say that I don't think that everybody's having exactly the same emotional experience. Uh, I think this is much harder on some people and not as hard on others, and that probably has a lot to do with um, who they are, you know, just sort of how they're put together as people, what their preferences are, what, what they're comfortable with, but also then their circumstances, right, like the kind of work they do, um, what things they aren't able to do, what added burdens they've got. So not everybody's got the same experience. Um, some people are doing actually pretty okay, to tell you, tell you the truth, but I'd say, um, at the very least, I think everybody's got a little bit of cabin fever, <laughs> a, a little bit of um, feeling sh- uh, a little sheltered in and wanting to get out and um, move around a little bit. I think that there's definitely um, anxiety going on, um, so worry and um, struggles with the unknown, um, I think. People are experiencing sadness, and sometimes that's probably at the level of uh, experiencing grief, um, which we don't necessarily we always think about grief as loss of a person, but there are people who are grieving really big things that they were looking forward to participating in, um, and so that's going on. I think that there are people who are struggling with some level of hopelessness, uh, especially since we don't know how things are going to play out. I think for some people, it's it's easy to feel hopeless or some level even of despair for, for the folks who are really struggling. I'm really glad you mentioned grief. Um, I think because we tend to think of it as, like you mentioned, a loss of a person. Um, but it seems like this is a very common response right now and um, maybe one that people aren't always very used to navigating. So I, I think that's true. I, the thing I think about when I think about grief is that grief isn't just feeling sad about something or someone that is lost to you. It's, it's deeper than that. It, it takes sort of integrating that loss into the way you think about things going forward and recognizing that that loss can pop up at different times in your life and make you feel sad all over again. Um, and so you know, if there were big events that people were really looking forward to and they've had to abandon them, you know, many of those are never going to be put together again. And it will always be something that people look back and they're like, wow, 
I, I can't believe this happened and, and I really wish it hadn't. And you, so you can't, you can't just remedy it. And, and with loss, you never, re- you never really remedy a loss. You just learn to integrate it into who you are and to go forward in life. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about stress and anxiety. Um, I'm curious how people might be feeling those right now and how they're different from each other. So that's a great question. And I think people use them as interchangeable terms, but at a technical level, they're different things. So the way I think about it is stress is when you are operating out of your comfort zone. And it isn't always negative, right? I mean, you can have positive stressors, like um, if you are going to college for the first time, it might be making you nervous, but you are also really excited about things. Um, so stress isn't always a negative, a negative experience. It's just you're being pressed beyond your, your comfort zone, the area that you're normally um, at ease functioning in. And, and one of the other things that I think is interesting is um, it isn't just humans or even animals that get stressed, but inanimate objects get stressed. Like um, if you are making a batch of cookies and the, and the dough is super thick and you're trying to use a mixer, you're stressing your motor. It's going beyond what it's comfortable working in. You can stress a lawnmower. Right now we're stressing the healthcare system. All these things are working beyond their normal comfort zone. So that's stress. Um, anxiety is a response to stress. So anxiety is, it's got a few different components. It has a cognitive component. So that's negative thinking. We would describe that as worry or just making negative conclusions about things. So that's the cognitive component to it. There can be a physiological component to it. So things like getting a dry mouth or an upset stomach, cold hands, cold feet. That's literally where the um, saying getting cold feet comes from. Because when you get nervous, your feet can actually get cold. Um, Getting your hair rising on end. So we would call those goosebumps. Um, but that's also something that happens when you're anxious. You can get headaches, heart palpitations. Um, your breathing is, is kind of short and shallow. So that's a physiological response to stress um, and a component of anxiety. And then there's a behavioral component. So you may see people do things when they're anxious. It can include things like biting their nails or um, picking at a scab, it can also be behavioral stuff like checking behaviors, like checking locks and, and checking to make sure the stove is off. Things that normally you'd be like, I'm sure it's fine. But when you're anxious, you're doing these repetitive sort of non-functional behaviors more. You might feel like the whole, you have to organize your room and have, and create a sense of calm. So, so going back to what your original question is, stress is operating out of your comfort zone, and it can be in a positive way or it can be in a in a challenging, distressing way. But anxiety is a is one way that we respond to stress. One thing that's been really challenging for me right now, especially um, contributing to my anxiety, I think, is the sense of information overload. This weird balance of if I don't tune into the news, then the world is going to change in this irreparable way and I'll be left behind and I need to know everything that's happening. But also, oh my gosh, knowing everything that's happening is unbelievably stressful. Um, 
I contributing to my own anxiety by staying a little bit too, too tuned into the news right now? So I think that's the super common struggle that we all need to be attentive to. And I, I would say that, you know, you say that one of the things you're concerned about is maybe you'll miss something that's really important to know. I think that's one reason that people check in on the news as much as they do. Another is I think they're hoping for reassurance. I think they're hoping, I, you know, I want to see the first signs that things are beginning to feel more okay. And so they're seeking that. <laughs> so I think there are reasons for checking and checking and checking the news. Um, but checking the news less frequently, even just once a day, you're very unlikely to genuinely <laughs> miss anything. The big things are going to be, you know, in the news hour that you watch. Um, but it has, it does have um, a negative impact. So, um, what we think, um, what goes on in our in our heads, affects our the next set of thoughts that we have in our emotions. That means that when, what we're talking about right now, going to the news, you're exposing your brain to anxious, distressing content over and over and over again, and it is predictably going to push your mood in that direction. So you probably don't want to have so much exposure to that. You know, I like to say you don't want to keep reading the sentences. Read it through once, put it down, and then you can, you know, have more exposure tomorrow. But it also gives you a strategy, right? We can access thoughts that are that are positive, and we can kind of store some ideas in our head to turn to, to sort of metaphorically read positive sentences over and over and over again and shift our mood. And so I know it was a very long answer, but yeah, if you keep watching the news and you keep checking and you keep being met with distressing content, it's like reading anxious sentences over and over and over again, and it's going to make things worse. So you really want to be um, intentional about how much you're doing that because we know it's going to be hard. So that makes me want to ask about other ways that we can kind of understand and manage our stress and anxiety right now. So it sounds like being thoughtful um, consumers of media and news is one way to kind of meter how much information we're taking in in a day and make sure we don't spend like an entire afternoon looking at sad Twitter or something like that. Um, what are some other ways that we can just kind of mentally try to adapt to what's happening? So um, that that is a question that opens up a, a big answer. So if you'll indulge me, I will I will try to answer that question. So I'll start out by saying, you know, so I've been a psychologist now for I don't know how many years, but a long time. And when I talk with folks about strategies that they can use to improve their mood or or manage stress, a lot of times they feel like, okay, this is a simple strategy, but it's really hard for me to implement this on an ongoing basis. You know, to just keep doing this. It's really hard to remember to do that. And I, I say it's true. That's true. But that's when I like to tell them a story because I feel like this conveys sort of a concept that's helpful. So I tell folks that, and this is true, that when I was a little girl, if I would be at my grandmother's house, she would make me stand with my back to a, a door, um, and she wanted me to have good posture. So I had to have my hips at back to the door, I'd have my shoulder blades back to the door, sort of pelvis tucked underneath my trunk, 
and my my chin up, my head held um, nice and high. So I'm looking ahead and looking down. And she'd say, "Okay." And then she'd open the door so the so the door wasn't behind me, and she'd say, "Now walk and keep it, keep that posture." And the posture is really easy to attain to begin with, but to keep it is really hard. I would just kind of start to you know slouch a little bit or do whatever. But if you have ever seen somebody who is a professional dancer or did a lot of dance in their life, they were a ballerina, you can see them coming yards and yards away because they have beautiful posture. They And they just hold themselves there naturally. Now, they weren't born that way. What happened was they had correction after correction after correction where people were like, chin up, shoulders back, you know, like, so over and over and over again, they were attending to these things, and eventually, it began to be second nature for them to hold themselves in this posture that was was good for dance, but it's also a, a healthy posture, to tell you the truth, and so that's what I think, like, implementing strategies are like, yeah, it's it's hard, um, well, their, their strategies might be easy, but it's hard to implement them on a routine basis. But if you keep paying attention and you keep paying attention and doing little corrections over and over again, you be, it begins to be second nature to pay attention to how you're doing and to know that you need to make a little bit of adjustments. Last week, our department was really lucky to hear you talk about some wellness strategies and um, I want to talk about them again. I thought they were really great. You had two wonderful analogies that people really connected with. And you talked about the kayaking analogy and the stew analogy. I'm hoping you can share them again. Sure. So um, I really like the kayaking analogy a lot. And so this is something I share with patients a lot. So, you know, not surprisingly, people come and they see me and they're distressed about things that are going on in their life or the people around them, events, work things, what have you. And they feel um, they're not in a good place emotionally. They feel irritable. They feel sad. And, and they will say to me, I can't help it. These things are going on, and it's making me feel this way. And they feel powerless in terms of their reaction to things. And I, I'm a supportive person, but I also kind of call them on it a little bit. And I'll say, well, you, these things are going on, but... You do have the ability to impact things. And this is where I like to introduce this, this kayaking analogy. So what I talk to them about is I'll say, imagine that you are in a kayak. And let's say you're at Devil's Lake, you know, up around Baraboo. And let's say you've got a destination you're trying to get to and, and you're paddling along. But let's say there's some air that's kind of pushing you off course. Or let's say there's some water currents that are pushing you off course. And it's pushing you in a direction you don't want to go. And if that's happening, it's true that things outside of you are are interrupting things. They're messing it up. You're not. It's not going the way you want. But that's when I re- remind people: you have a paddle. You have a paddle to use. You have a paddle that's going to help you correct your course in response to these outside forces, whether it's air or whether it's water or or another kayaker. You've got a paddle to help correct yourself. And your paddle in life is the things that you do um, for yourself to help keep yourself on, on course in response to 
the stressors, the things around you that are external to help guide you. And so this is what I think about in life. It's like we're always going to have these external forces, whether it's other kayakers on the water or it's water or it's air. There's always going to be things going on around us. And we need to keep remembering we have a paddle. And your paddle is the things that you are doing to help keep you on course and the corrections that you make. And there's a whole bunch of corrections that that we can talk about. Some of them are are really simple and really easy. Some of them are more in-depth. And I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But, But basically that's the idea is don't forget to try to help correct your course. Be aware of whether you are tracking in the direction you want to go and try to make these little changes along the way. The other analogy that I brought up last week um, is something I like to say to patients too. And I like to say to them, life is like a pot of stew. And I say that because, first of all, I cook a lot. So it's an analogy that works well for me. When When you're making a pot of stew, once you put something in the stew, you can never remove it. It will forever be there. And when you add something into a stew, um, that flavor, if you just put onions in or something like that, that flavor is very flavor forward. It's very prominent. Um, and maybe the stew feels off balance. It doesn't taste good, but it mellows over time. And as time goes on, the stew, the flavor changes, even if you don't do anything else to adjust it. But if you're not liking the flavor of the stew, there are things you can do to shift the flavor. You know, you can throw in seasonings. You can throw in other vegetables. You can throw in some salt and pepper, some herbs. There are things you can do to affect the flavor of the stew to have it be okay. So the reason I brought this up is that one of the concerns I've heard from folks in coping with COVID-19 is they're like, wow, this is a really, really big thing we're going through. And they're worried that either for themselves or people that they care about, that this is going to forever define people's experience in life and be really influential into their worldview and their sense of safety and security and confidence in life and not necessarily in a good way. And that in turn creates more anxiety. Like, wow, is this going to be this big sort of emotional or psychological scar that's that's going to kind of hamper good functioning going forward. And that's where I like to go back to, well, yeah, this is a really big thing that you just got added to your stew. But really, that's just it doesn't just stay like that. Things things do mellow over time. Flavors blend and life experiences blend. And there are going to be many, many, many more life experiences going forward that are going to shift things. So it can feel like it's really prominent right now, but over time, I really do think things shift and they're probably going to go in the direction that you want, especially if you do things to adjust the flavor of the stew or adjust your life experience. I'm hoping you can tell me a little bit more about some of the course corrections, some of the different ways that we can paddle right now to try and keep our kayaks kind of aiming where we want them to go. Um, Last week, you talked about ideas at different levels of investment. Um, So tell me about some of the the small, quick, easy options for um, adjusting mood and behavior. So 
when I think about things in, in levels, I think about like sort of how accessible um, the tools or the strategies are and, and how much effort it takes to implement them. So there are strategies that we can all implement within moments, literally within moments. So one of the things that I like to suggest to folks is create for yourself a mental note card that has um, three really funny memories in it. And they're your memories. They're not just in a show, but three funny things that have happened for you in your life that you can recall um, with enough detail and they make you kind of crack up even as you remember them. And put them on your mental note card. And pull out that mental note card when you're stressed. And take a moment to think about those things. It's not going to fix what's going on for you in your life, but it's going to interrupt the negative thought pattern and it's going to shift your mood a little bit. So that's just a great strategy to use, honestly, for your whole life, is have a mental note card of three really funny things that have happened for you in your life. Another thing you can do, which is easy, is have in your head sort of another little note card of a couple songs that shift your mood. And if you know those songs, you can almost hit push play in your head, and they kind of can play in your head. And again, those can shift your mood. So though these both these strategies, you can be in the middle of a really stressful meeting and you can kind of just check out mentally for just a few seconds. So you don't even have to leave the room. Um, another thing that's really easy to do is improve your breathing. So focus breathing. Um, there are a lot of there are apps. Um, the one I really like is called Calm, C-A-L-M that teaches focused breathing, and once you've learned it, you don't have to have the app, but I, I like it a lot. So all of these strategies, these three strategies are, are strategies that you don't need a piece of equipment to do. You don't need another person to do. You can do them on the fly. If you're in a traffic jam and you're getting agitated, you can do them right there. All of those things are, are super easy. Another bumping up another level, an easy strategy, but it involves someone else, is the buddy system. And I think for what we're going through right now, the buddy system is a good is a good strategy. So the buddy system is basically um, make an agreement with somebody in your life. It does not need to be a coworker. It can be. It can be a friend, um, a relative, a coworker, whomever. But somebody that you and this other buddy have agreed you're going to check in with each other on on some kind of regular basis, whether it's, you know, daily or a couple times a week. But you're going to check in and see how each other are doing. And I don't mean just like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, you really actually ask, how is it going? You know, what what if things, what are some of the struggles you, you've had this week? What are some of the things that did go better? Where you actually have somebody that you're kind of sharing your experience with. And that's helpful because, if you know you're going to be talking with somebody on Tuesday, you've got to kind of start taking a mental inventory of your experience. And that's going to help you develop insight and awareness into your thoughts and experience. And so it's sort of like practice. It's kind of like going back to the posture thing I talked about with the ballerinas. It's kind of reminding yourself of, okay, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? And so you're developing better awareness of it because you need to be prepared to talk about it. So it's good on that side, but it also gives you the opportunity to help your buddy by being the listener and, and being a supporter. And we really do benefit from helping other people. And so it, it's, 
it's um, not complicated because it's just somebody you know, and it just means checking in on these sort of things, but it can be really helpful. Kind of bumping it up another level, um, there are some easy strategies to do, you know, that I that I put on our resiliency guide, um, which is on, on the wellness page for OBGYN, and so there's a number of things on there. Some of it's music. Um, some of it are other things we've talked about. But then bumping up to another level of care is something we also put out on the OBGYN wellness page is the COVID-19 anxiety workbook. And so that is something that I think is really honestly full of some really good um, learning opportunities. And I, I think I want to phrase it that way. It's They're, they're learning opportunities, and COVID-19 is the example you are, are learning to manage because there are other stressors. So there's nothing there that's specific. It's a strategy specific to COVID-19. They are good anxiety management skills, and you learn them. And so that's for somebody who's really um, kind of motivated to dig deeper and get into skill development. It doesn't mean that they're they're in worse shape. It just means that they, they want to dig deeper. One thing I loved about that workbook in particular is, um, you know, the whole back half is like spent building a resiliency plan. And so for me, when I feel overwhelmed, I, I um, freeze and I sort of have this, this sense of like, I don't know where to go from here. What am I supposed to do? And I loved that that like kind of made me write down some strategies and ideas. And it was a physical thing that now I can, when I feel overwhelmed and when I freeze up, I can look at it and remember what I have suggested for myself to do. I've written down some strategies. So it's a really cool tool. It took time, but it was a, a good use of time for me. I thought I will find it very valuable. It was great. I, th- I think when you develop those skills, they serve you for a lifetime. And, you know, when people see me in therapy and we're starting to go through some of these skill developments, what I tell them is there's another benefit, which is you can pass this along. You can teach this to your friends, to your family, and everybody can benefit from, from the- these are always going to be helpful skills. So do you have a few, like three key steps or ideas who are feeling for people who are feeling overwhelmed right now, um, little investments, little adjustments that we can make to help us feel a little less anxious. Sure. Um, so one thing I think is really important is to recognize what is okay. Um, there is a lot of uncertainty that we're all dealing with. There is a lot of change. But it would be a gross overstatement to say everything is insecure and everything has changed. That That's just simply not true. There is very much that's around us in our environment that is the same and has not changed, you know, whether it's things in nature. Um, my sister, when she briefly was living in West Virginia, she, she would say, I understand why people love the mountains because no matter how stressed you are, the mountains never change. And and it just gives you sort of a sense of security. For me, one of the things that I like is I love watching the transition of the trees through all the seasons. And this right now, like right now, the you know, the end of April is my favorite when the leaves are just starting to bud. That's my very favorite. But I really love the whole cycle. And so those things, those things aren't changing. Another thing I'd say, and I, I know this is common sense and everybody's talked about it, but 
taking good care of yourself, protecting your sleep, trying to make sure you're getting enough sleep, trying to make sure you're eating reasonably well. I don't think that this is the time for people to set lofty goals about, you know, huge self-improvements in terms of sleep, eating, and exercise. I don't mean that, but just taking good care of themselves so that that their physiology is in as good a place as they can reasonably be. And then thing, the third thing I think is really important, and that is cutting yourself some slack, cutting slack for other people around you, knowing that everybody's kind of running around um, with a thought bubble above their head about their stressors and that that's impacting the way they're interacting with you. It's impacting their emotions, and people are not necessarily the best versions of themselves, including we ourselves. And so being patient and just trying not to be as irritated by things as we might initially feel like. Just let let the little things go, you know. No, nobody's really at their best right now. I like to say to folks that I've never had a day where later on I regretted not getting mad at someone. I've never had that happen. I've never woken up the next day and regretted not being in an argument with my spouse. I've never regretted that. I think it's really unlikely that people will regret letting things go a little bit and being patient. And that means true also being patient with ourselves and recognizing, you know, we're just going to do the best we can. I have a saying in my house, and it, it is that you do the best you can in this world, and then you move along, mean, meaning something happens, you try the best you can, and if it wasn't great, don't harp on yourself, move along. Right now, where can people find more well-being resources if they're interested in some extra support, in some tools and helpful tips? Where would you suggest people take a look? I feel kind of like they're everywhere <laughs> right now. Um, so, you know, within our OBGYN department, um, you get on the wellness page and there's links There's links to so many resources, um, you know, whether they are apps, um, whether they are videos of things, whether they are workbooks like we've talked about or regular books. Um, there are so many things. But then there's also just flat-out mental health care, you know. So um, reaching out um, for mental health care is a, is a great thing. Um, so I, I feel like it, it's kind of everywhere. Um, it's, if there's an upside to this, I think it's helped people recognize that, that developing some skills and managing, um, their response to stress is probably a good investment. Thank you so much. I really appreciate getting to talk to you today. Sure. I was happy to do it. Healthcast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Healthcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what women's health topics you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.